1: what up everybody welcome to another episode of the corner podcast Kel Dansby here with the old man Andres Hale as you can probably tell already from the sound of my voice we are not at Blue Wire Studios this week it's because I'm traveling I'm in New York City getting ready to watch Edgar Berlanga maybe vent his first fight from MSG He's excited. The city's excited. It's St. Patrick's Day weekend out here in New York. So the crowd should be nice and good for Saturday night. Um, Also, prospect Xander Zayas is on the card in the co-main event. 19 years old. Looks like a future star for top rank and the island of Puerto Rico, which is near and dear to my heart. So that is going to be fun. I'm in attendance there. With that being said, we're doing this show remote. So shout out to everybody back in Blue Wire Studios, to producer Cole Bebe for always holding it down as well. Make sure you check out all of our episodes on YouTube because when we are in studio, you guys can see us in amazing 1080p quality. Those are up on YouTube right now. Go check those out of all of our episodes we were doing in the past month, all up there for your viewing pleasure. But Dre... It's a boxing episode today, people. We're going to talk boxing. I'm at a boxing event. A lot has happened in boxing the past two weeks. But we got to start this off by talking about the passing of Scott Hall slash Razor Ramon. Um, I wrote in our rundown to start it. I was like, man, this is something I, I thought immediately after hearing his passing. I was like, a lot of our heroes are flawed. But damn if we don't miss him anyway. Like, we we know this struggle Scott went through, man. And uh, seeing him turn his life around the past couple of years, Hall of Fame inductee in the WWE, being around more, it, it sucks now to just have that taken away. And uh, best wishes to his family and those even closer to him. But even from afar, it's like, man, he, he was so cool. Uh, a big pillar in the wrestling community is gone.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was a weird weekend, man. I mean, he got hurt, gets hurt on Friday, and then by Monday we hear you know Scott Hall's being taken off a of life support. Kevin Nash obviously spoke on it. Um, friend of the podcast, friend of mine, Sean Waltman. I talked to him. Um, you know, and it's just it seemed like not. It didn't seem like Scott clearly had turned a corner in his life. I mean, he's still battling the same demons, but it wasn't as bad as like. Late WCW, TNA, Scott Hall, where, you know, similar to somebody like Jeff Hardy, where his demons just kept coming to surface. Yeah. Um, and now he's gone. I don't know the exact details on his passing. Uh, you know, they've been really guarded with that. But, yeah, it's just, you know, I had tweeted, Scott Hall was the epitome of cool, man. Even though the motherfucker wasn't Cuban and, uh, <laughs> and played Razor <Ranger laughs> Ramon, like, uh, like a true G, like I liken it to uh, Al Pacino playing Scarface because that man had no business being Cuban, right? <laughs> like <laughs> there was no, no business whatsoever, but he made it work. And Scott Hall made it work and he was cool as shit. Everybody wanted to be like him. And to be honest, like a lot of people talk about bad guys. You know, we all talk about the anti-hero, right? Like Stone Cold was like the, the clear anti-hero in the WWE, but it's really Scott Hall. If you try to think of anybody that was the coolest bad guy, there was a couple of them. Scott Hall, Mr. Perfect. There were two guys that were so cool as bad guys that we liked them. And, you know, Razor played back and forth, but he went to WCW. He was clearly a heel, but we still loved him. And it made the NWO that much cooler. If it wasn't for Scott Hall leaving, we would have never had the Monday Night Wars. He was such... An integral part of pro wrestling in like the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars, and he never won the main title. It's crazy. He never, never had won to. the main title.
0: <laughs> never he had didn't to. Have
2: to. It's too cool for that shit. He ain't needed. He had a bunch of gold <laughs> around his neck. Why didn't he needed? Yep.
1: But damn, he made that IC title look good.
2: Yeah, he did. I mean, if WWE is smart, they'll do something at WrestleMania in his honor, like the IC title. Isn't being defended yet? So why wouldn't you do a ladder match at this point?
1: Yeah, that'd be a great tribute. I mean, outside of Steam Generico, I, I still have that is probably my favorite ladder match, him versus Sean. And man, the entrances were cool in that. Sean being all scared to like walk under the ladder and like tiptoeing around it, and the razor just comes out and slides right under it. The, yeah. uh, the title versus title aspect. I think at one point Razor had like a gold belt.
2: Yes, the, like, it was yellow. Yeah. yeah, like a yellowish
1: gold version of the IC title. Like he did whatever he wanted. And like you said, it was just cool. He cut promos in the middle of Miami. Like he was like, oh, okay, this is my, this is my character. This is my gimmick. All right, we're going on location. Like Lil' 80? All right, cool. Fuck it. He was on somebody's stoop with people in the neighborhood cutting promos. The joint where he takes the fruit is amazing. He's dog. He was a real G. Like, seeing (laughs) him as a kid,
2: it's funny because I listen to people talk about how they always knew that Scott Hall wasn't Cuban. And I'm like, you're a liar. Because all of us, everybody thought he was Cuban. Everybody thought he was Cuban. He played that cool role so well that we were all fooled. We were all fooled, but, man, yeah, the, between the promos, I mean, shit, putting over Waltman as a one, two, three kid. If anybody wants to go back and watch that match. Yeah. And it was one of the first times other than, like, Barry Horowitz, where a, a guy who was perceived to be a jobber was put over by a, a main guy. And that's what made Waltman the one two, three kid, Xbox, 6-Pox, whatever whatever you want to call him. But that, that feud, like, Razor was just <laughs> – He was just that guy, man. And I mean, one of my best friends, his namesake, Ramon, is Razor Ramon. (laughs) We've been calling him Razor since we were kids. (laughs) You know, so it it sucks to see that he's passed away. The one thing that it does teach us, and a lot of us, and, you know, obviously those who listen to this podcast know I'm friends really close with Big E, is that wrestling is really hard on people. Like, it's very few come out of this business unscathed. And especially wrestlers from the eighties and nineties, like dark side of the ring. Like we've seen all these stories, man, they live really hard lives and it sucks because it it really wrestling takes years off of people's lives. The normal wear and tear, the addiction to painkillers for a lot of these guys, alcohol. If anybody read the sting players tribune, like he talks about how popping painkillers was like, no problem. It's it's, It's a blessing that a dude is here at 62 years old, taking dives off of balconies. He shouldn't be doing this shit. (laughs) Facts. Scott Hall, Jake the Snake. They've all had like really hard lives um, for our entertainment. So it's like, you know, we'll we'll always miss Scott Hall. He's one of the few. I never met Scott. I don't think I ever met him in my whole life. Um, But I've heard, you know, good stories about him. Bret Hart talked highly of him. Obviously, Sean Waltman, Kevin Nash. People that have worked with him talked really high of him. So he'll be missed, man. The epitome of cool is missed. The bad guy is gone.
1: Yeah, man. And uh, you brought up E and he had a tweet before the walk, like before, um, you know, the Razor Scott Hall news. It was completely unrelated, but it pulls back the curtain a little bit where he's like, you know, he's had so many struggles where he just struggled alone, but it was, you know, touching to see all, um, all the, outpouring of well wishes and care and everything from the fans, friends, everything. Um, and that tweet was like really poignant. Cause again, giving people their flowers while they're here to get it. Right. It's like being there when someone gets injured, being there, let them know that, you know what, we appreciate you more for just being than being just a performer. Like you, you really mean something to a lot of people. And thankfully wrestling is, I, I could be naive, but has changed for the better in that regard, where hopefully it's not like a, a super pill dependent um, guys, you know, the good old boys in the back, the boys in the back aren't just back there, just smoking cigarettes and drinking liquor. And I don't know, snoring Coke, do whatever they did back in the eighties and nineties, the shit that obviously Undertaker misses instead of video games and all that. How dare they just play video games now and, and drink, red bull um yeah it seems like the culture in wrestling is changing and hopefully with that comes the ability to see some of you know our heroes some of the people um you and to an extent i now call friends um around a little longer because now it's scary if wrestling was the same way could you imagine like we were doing this in the 90s befriending these guys and half of the guys we know in the industry are dead by 2000. No, it's crazy. It's- like I couldn't imagine all the people we hang out with now at Wale Mania or see and in indie shows or been Pam lists on wrestling with stereotypes. If at 20, you know, year 2030, half of them were gone.
2: It's, it's a rough business, man. Like <clears throat> boxing and MMA are, you know, the, the perception is it's real, right? So, you know, guys getting punched in the head for a living, a punch in the face. is expected to take time off of them. But people always look at pro wrestling like it's fake. And they, they say, oh, that's not real. That's fake. It's not fake. It's just scripted, which is a big difference. Yeah. Those, those, the impact from those shots are real. Like, you know, going through a table, you can't fake it. You can't fake falling on your head a bunch of times. You can't fake that stuff. And all of this is done for our entertainment. And has to be said for those, the, you know, the guys and girls that are out there putting their bodies on the line week in and week out, not even week in and week out. It's like day in and day out, especially when they were on the road doing house shows 300 days out the years away from their families. It's insane what they go through. But, you know, they do it for us. And a lot of them don't know what they're going to do without wrestling. And they have a hard time finding their way. So, it, yeah, it's important for us to give wrestlers their flowers. I think social media has helped in that aspect where a lot of wrestlers can connect with their fans and realize, like, they're on the road a lot. They don't pay attention to a lot of this stuff. I can tell you firsthand from all the wrestlers that I've (laughs) talked to over the years, it is really hard for them to sit on Twitter and pay attention because they're working
1: all the (laughs) time. He doesn't pay attention to nothing. He'd be zoned out.
2: No, it's hard, man. And, And he is really good on social media. But for the most part, a lot of people, a lot of wrestlers, don't really, they do it and they do it for that, that, cheer, that pop that they get when they're in the arena. But then when they're by themselves in their hotel rooms, it's different. You know, you, like I said, Sting's player's tribune piece talks about how lonely he was after he was, after he was done working, you're away from your family. Yeah. You're trying to have a life. And you know, Scott, he obviously had an addiction to alcohol and it's like, how can't you? They're better than me. I can't imagine being on the road that much away from my family you know, in a different city. Like sometimes you wake up, you don't even know what city you're in. That's yes. crazy to me. I can't, I couldn't do it. And Scott Hall did that for such a long time. Um, He was paid handsomely for it at WCW. Him and Kevin Nash clearly changed the pace scale in pro wrestling, but man, <laughs> it's really, it's really rough on them. Really rough.
1: It is, man. Um, One thing I wanted to mention with Scott Hall and the Razor Ramon character itself to tie it into what we usually talk about on this show is, uh, it seems like razor Ramon, the character, Scott Hall, his whole like, persona and how he carried himself throughout the years is really one of those guys who are still very synonymous with like the hip hop culture and like gets name drops in rap songs and lyrics and, uh, shout out to West side gun. I guess they got real close him and gun. Um, you, you look at this, and it's like, yo, he was one of those guys who felt like us. He was part of our culture as much as he was part of the wrestling culture. Like, what, Ric Flair is one of those guys, right? Like, um, Austin to a degree, all black people love Austin. That's, he's damn near part of NBA culture. I saw I didn't think it was. Um, Giannis tweeted about 316 day yesterday. Like it just there's these certain people who just feel like they're part of our culture. And Scott Hall and Razor Ramon just seems like one of those guys. Man, and and so many of us who are still fans now, and they're like, yo, Black Twitter or Black Wrestling Twitter. It's like, yeah, we were all friend fans back then. And it was because of guys like this who made it cool and and they were cool and different and they weren't. they weren't just cookie cutter brolic white guys running around in the Lex express, right? These are guys we can go outside and see. So, I mean, that that's one thing that immediately jumped out. Like, man, I, I hope we get back to a place where the major companies and it doesn't, they don't always have to be black. Right. And I think Scott Hall is is a good example of that. Uh, Shout out to Mark Merrill who I just still found out he wasn't black and Taz, um, but like they they don't have to be black. They just gotta be relatable to hip hop culture, to black culture, to, to minority culture. They were relatable. They weren't cookie cutters. They weren't superheroes. There were people we can walk outside, see and be like, yo, I know someone like that. And uh, I, I feel like maybe we, we kind of lose a little bit of that today. Yeah. on the main levels not gcw gcw i feel like everybody there i know everybody <laughs> but like on the main levels even aw I, I don't feel like there's a bunch of dudes who are just like damn that's cool that's hip-hop culture like they're they're cool there's a lot of average joes and like non-gimmicks in aw but there's not too many people who are just cool as hell adam cole is close yeah, I mean,
2: again, you're just not going to find anybody like Scott Hall. It's just that's just oh, that's it's just true. another level of cool of, of embodying the character, becoming the character. Again, anybody saw Scarface, you thought Al Pacino was Cuban. He really wasn't as kids we thought that I'm sure there's plenty of adults like get the fuck out of here but <laughs> as a kid when I saw Scarface I was like man that guy's cool and then I saw him in like Scent of a Woman and I was like what the fuck but <laughs> I was really confused about Al Pacino you know then seen him in like Carlito's way some people just connect with the culture and Razor Ramon connected with the culture Scott Hall connected with the culture Ayo hey, the bad guy the guys in black like everything he did Ayo, hey, to- the toothpick <sighs> There was never a person who made the toothpick that cool. Not a human being. I'm not even talking about a pro wrestler. Just a person. I swear, Puff took the toothpick from him. He probably did. I don't know. But the fact remains is that, that you never saw. And even when Scott Hall was done wrestling, he still kept the toothpick. <laughs> All the time. You become, you become the character, man. You become the gimmick. And it, they, they, yeah, he just epitomized cool. There's just nobody like him.
1: Since it is a boxing show, I started thinking, who are the people synonymous with like boxing and hip hop culture? Floyd. Like Floyd? Yes. Damn, I don't. Floyd, I guess he brought out the ratchetness, right? Like we, we know urban loitering because of Floyd Mayweather. But like, is he that? I don't even think I'd put him on that list for me. No, I definitely put him on the list. Like, like Roy? Roy Roy, Tyson, those two, when I started thinking about it, it's like, yeah, those two were really dope and, like, hip-hop cultured out. Floyd
2: isn't? The the Money Phone, 50 Cent, Rick Ross, Lil Wayne. I mean, he came in with the OJs for the love of money. The the gear, like, his ring attire, the
1: excess. Floyd Mayweather's hip-hop. Yeah. Floyd, to me... I don't know, maybe it's just, I just know too much about Floyd maybe. So that's probably like 100% true. I just, I always thought Floyd was just so much of a gimmick that it was disingenuous. And that's like a big part of this, right? Like Ric Flair, we thought he was the wheel and you know limousine ride, like we we got all that because like, yo, this motherfucker like, is kind of doing this. Like they co-opt the gimmick and then they get lost in the sauce. And then like, yo, that's just really Ric Flair. Like, Scott Hall was really just that cool. his name from Razor to Scott Hall, easy. Same guy. We know him. We still love him for the same things. Um, and you go down the list. Like, Stone Cold, like, yeah, Austin is kind of still Austin to this day. Um, Roy Jones has always just been Roy. Like, Floyd to me was just always, it wasn't genuine. So it didn't really feel like him. It just felt like, oh, 50 Cent's hot right now. I'm at 50 Cent, walk me out. Oh yeah, well, I need to sell some more. I am not pretty boy. I have money now after my second retirement at like the age of 27. Like it just rubbed me the wrong way. But I mean, I guess a lot of black people loved him. We came out, we partied during those weekends. Um
2: I mean, I, I don't, I don't, he's he's hip hop. I mean, you could call it a gimmick, but Floyd Mayweather was hip hop. He he had the excess before, you know, Tyson had excess. Floyd had excess. But when he was pretty boy, that was some hip hop shit. Like, his walkouts, the way he fought, everything Floyd did. I mean, I've said it before. I, I was around Floyd before Floyd blew up as a fighter. You know, I've, I've known people that have known Floyd. Like, Floyd is hip-hop. There's no question about that. You could, I mean, the 50-cent connection, you can say what you want about it, but they were really friends.
1: I don't think he was attached to himself because he was hot. They were friends. It's fair. But he's Ray, rich. Wasn't Ray J playing the piano in, his, in Floyd's yes. crib? That's one of the greatest yes. stories of, <laughs> in Bob history.
2: Dude, like, like Floyd has, Floyd has, has t- I mean, Jay Z, everybody's rapped about Floyd. And Floyd has, Floyd, the reason why you feel that way is because Floyd is so big in terms of like size and stature and who he is. He, he's almost untouchable. Right. But he's still a part of this culture. He's, he's older, of course, but he's still a part of this culture, like the cars, everything Floyd does. Yeah. Even though he goes to the roller skating rink and he plays, you know, 70s music, that's what Snoop does. And he's no less hip hop. That's
1: is true. Hip-hop. That's true. Floyd does seem like an old soul, though. He loves like 70s music. 80. I mean, the OJ's entrance, I literally just watched that two days ago. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Like, at had, had the OJs in the ring. Oh, that, that was a great entrance. Um, no, yeah, he got to be hip-hop. Broner, hip-hop? Yeah, Broner's hip-hop, definitely.
2: I mean, Broner had Kendrick walk him out. He did his <laughs> hip-hop. Yeah. Javante's hip-hop. Like, these guys are all, like, they're hip-hop. The Charlos are hip-hop. They're all hip-hop.
1: It's um, Errol Spence is a different type of hip-hop. He he needs still- new <laughs> Snappers little baby walking about hip hop. Yeah, he, he's Texas hip hop. It's down <laughs> south. Like Zab Judah was hip hop, right? Zab Zab is a name I forgot. Zab was really hip hop. People I mean loved Zab, Zab Zab was in Jay Z videos. Yeah, Zab like Z- Zab might top Zab- the list
2: like Zab was the gold front. Like Zab was a hip hop cat. Yeah. And I, and you know, I know, and I know Zab and I knew it, who Zab was around because Zab, you know, every fighter in New York wanted to be around Zab because Zab was the guy. Yeah. Zab was so, Zab was so much the guy that he tricked off his boxing career. He just couldn't <laughs> get out of the spot. Get, I mean, I'm, I'm bullshit. You not. And he'll tell you this day, he was so enamored in the culture and partying and hanging out with celebrities. He just didn't train. He'll tell you. There were, I mean, I've said it before on this show. He's had fights where he told me that he had a bottle of Grey Goose in him
1: the night of the fight. <laughs> he was partying. That's um, incredible. <laughs> and the man was fighting at like 140. Yeah, he, he
2: was just an amazing athlete who just lacked discipline. That, that's really the problem with that. And he was hip-hop. That's about as hip-hop as you can get
1: damn but yeah Zab he, judas that guy <laughs> he that's a great he been the guy <laughs> yeah no hands down that that's crazy but um yeah man so scott hall's gone just want to start the show with that uh, nice way to tie in a little bit of boxing let's hit our first break come back and then run through all of this boxing news because we haven't had a real boxing show in <sighs> two weeks right? Like two, two and a half weeks, man. So let's hit this quick break. When we come back, we're talking about the full PBC slate. We're talking about some beef between Caleb and Benavidez. And then we got to touch on what's going on with Devin Haney. He's sending cryptic tweets. He out here looking like Baker Mayfield. Like nobody wants him. It's, It's rough right now for Devin Haney. So right after break, we're talking all that. Don't go anywhere. Right back after this. All right, just that quick, we are back. Time to run down some of these boxing announcements. Some of the beef, just the entire world around boxing is really coming together for the summer slate. We know we have Canelo Alvarez on May 7th. We know Oscar Valdez versus Shakur Stevenson on the 30th. Tyson Fury on April 23rd. Before then, Errol Spence versus Ugas is on April 16th. Um, in Jerry's world, I mean, we got Ryan Garcia the week before that on April 9th. It is crazy after WrestleMania, just boxing is loaded, but now we got a, a better picture towards the end of the month. So Dre out of all of these, and I'll run through some of these fights. Just keep in mind, I need to know what fight you're most excited about. So on May 14th, Jamel Charlo versus Brian Castaño two undisputed again, last time it was a draw. So this time, let's see if we get an Undisputed Champion. On May 21st, David Benavidez versus David Lemieux. 28th, we have Javante Davis versus Roley Romero in New York. Thank God it's not on a Sunday. I think they've learned something. Um, Everyone's not Floyd. Week after that, Stephen Fulton Jr. versus Danny Roman. Friend of the podcast, Stephen Fulton Jr. Then uh, June 18th, Jamar Charlo versus Sulecki for his WBC middleweight title. And then later on this summer, July 9th, Mark um, Maxio versus Ray Vargas, which is going to be one hell of a fight at featherweight. So that is the showtime slate. Granted, there could be some PBC on Fox stuff. in there. Um, so PBC might not be done, but this is showtime. Just run through it. What fight excites you most? Uh, Fulton Jr. Versus Danny Roman.
2: That's, that's hands down the, most, the best all-action fight on the card of, of the slate.
1: I could be, be thousand punches thrown.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that fight should be absolutely bananas. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Romano doesn't really take a step back. He throws a billion punches. We know what Stephen Fulton Jr. brings. That, in terms of competition, will be the best fight on this slate. Um, a lot of people may have been surprised I didn't say Spence and Ugas, but I don't think Spence and Ugas is going to be terribly exciting. I think it'll be a good fight. But if you're looking for an exciting fight, Fulton Jr. and Roman should not disappoint. That's going to be a great fight. Javante is going to beat the piss out of Romero. Uh, what else we got here? That's, Charlo Castaño. That's a good fight. I think Charlo will learn his lesson this time, hopefully. Man, the Charlos, they, I like them, and I, and I know eventually I'm going to cross paths with them. If they hear what I have to say about them, they'll be all pissed off. But I don't think they fight up to their potential. And it's frustrating to me because I think they are really good, but I think they think they are better than what they are. And if they stop thinking that they were so good, they could be even better, if that makes any sense. I think they find comfort in being thinking that they're already the best, and then they fight, and they leave things to be desired in these fights. And the Castaño-Charlo fight is a perfect example of that. Not to take anything away from Castaño, but I, thought, I just thought Jamel didn't fight the right fight. So Castaño won that first fight to me. Yeah, so exactly. That draw is a gift. There's things that Jermel and Jamal do, and more so Jermel than Jamal. That I watch them and I'm like, man, you are a little too complacent in how good you think you are. Like, hmm. if you really put your foot on the gas and you really fought like you had something to prove, instead of telling people that you're already the best, you would have you would have proven it. But because of that, we keep asking, man, are they as good as they think they are? I don't know, but I think it'll be a good fight. But yeah, on this list, it's, I mean, Benavides and David Lemieux, like David Lemieux will, is going to get ran over by David Benavides. So that's, if you want to see somebody get their ass kicked, watch that fight. Um, <laughs> Tim Zhu, for those who never watched Tim Zhu fight, here's your chance. That motherfucker can fight. He's fighting Terrell Gashua, and I think they're doing a media day out here in Vegas, but I won't be checking it out. Um, that was supposed to be the co main
1: to the Charlo fight originally. I'm glad they yeah. just gave him his own card.
2: Yeah, I know Tim Zhu is really, really, really damn good. Heavy, heavy ass hands, doesn't like going the distance. That's a really good fight. But I'll say it again if you're not watching Daniel Ramon and Stephen Ford Jr., you're bugging. That is the best fight on this slate.
1: No, hands down. I mean, Daniel Ramon, I, I think he won his last fight, in my opinion. I got to go rewatch. Um, but when he lost his title, that was a super close fight, split decision loss. And the thing with him is with all that volume, it's easy to fall in and be like, yo, he's winning this fight. So it takes a very skilled fighter to beat him because you're never going to match him in volume. So your punches got to be real, real crisp. Snap his head back. You got to bruise his face up. Like you really got to show that you're landing because he's throwing a million punches and it's going to look like he's running you over.
2: Yeah, I mean the fight he lost was it to Akmadaliev and that was uh, that was 2020. Um that was Super Bowl. Week. That was when I I was there Miami. That was the, the uh the Demetrius Andrade uh Jake Paul fight on that card. Um yeah, that, that was nuts. But that that fight <clears throat> Akmadaliev won the fight, but Daniel Roman just never bores. He's not a boring guy. And uh he's won two in a row since And he's running into Fulton, who I think will outclass him. But I think it's going to be fun Um, because Fulton is a guy who believes in himself and likes to throw hands as well. And I think he invites somebody who's offensive minded as Daniel Ramon. I think he's going to try to offensive minded. It's not going to be like Chris Colbert who thinks he can knock somebody out and (laughs) just gets busted up. I think Fulton's going to fight a smarter fight, but there's no doubt in my mind, this will be an excellent, excellent fight.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I'm excited to watch this Showtime Boxing lineup. I mean, top rank hasn't gotten into their summer lineup, but we kind of have like understanding that I'll probably be back in New York on June 11th, depending on how stuff goes this weekend, because Berlanga is looking at fighting again there. We've had reports um, from Coppinger saying that. Cop has also said that Biev, be versus Joe Smith Jr. might be another fight occurring in June for the top rank banner. which would be one hell of a fight. That's, uh, that's the Canelo green panties night um because yeah you you hold three belts Canelo's going for the other in May you pretty much just sit down and wait i don't it doesn't even matter if you gotta wait until next year fight fight the easiest mandatory you can cuz you know that paycheck is a coming um so that'll probably be over the summer it's just so so many good fights DAZN zone has an incredible slate of fights coming up you know mentioned um Ryan Garcia in April but so many of their champions are due to fight. They signed Canelo. The Canelo fight is with them. One person that isn't announced yet is Devin Haney. And it's weird because it was report out, cool, Loma had agreed to the fight. It looked like Cambosis was leaning Loma. But now Loma is defending his country. And once you're in, I just found this out, you can't leave. It's like a state of martial law. So anyone 18 years old through 65, an able body as a man has to pick up guns and defend the country. If you're in there, if he would stayed wherever the hell he was in, in like Greece or whatever, and his fam came out, then cool. He could have stayed out of the country. You can fight. all this. Once you go back in like he did, like Usyk did, uh, the Klitschko's are there. Once you go back in, fam, you fight it until this is over. So there's reports that, you know, his team are trying to get around that or petition the government or figure something. But then even if you do as his team, that doesn't mean he wants to leave and just take his family out and leave his friends and not have the security of what's going on. So it's it's in a weird position. You look at that and you're like, all right, man, if that doesn't happen, then Cambosis, you, you only got one logical option. And it's a pretty easy one. And that's Devin Haney. Why do you think there's a holdup to this fight? Because nobody wants to fight Devin
2: Haney for two reasons. Not just because he's really good and dangerous and he's not really fun to fight in the ring. Cause he doesn't make it easy. It's because he's also do a lot of money. So when you put those two aspects together, you got to pay Devin a lot of money to give you a hard time and probably <laughs> beat you because let's be clear. Cambosis, although he beat Teofimo, he's the underdog against Loma or Haney, but the Loma fight is clearly bigger. And probably in Cambosis' mind, it's a more winnable fight than Haney, which sounds really weird because most of us have Lomachenko higher than Devin Haney on the pound-for-pound pound list. Yeah. But Loma's a little older. And I, I mentioned it a few shows ago that I think Loma really lacks this killer instinct where he lets guys off the hook and he lets them outwork them. Devin's not that kind of guy. Like, Devin, can he play it safe? Yeah, but if you beat Devin – if you get close to beating Devin, you're not going to look good doing it because it's just, he's not fun to fight. He, he uses that jab. He's young. He's athletic. Um, he doesn't leave himself open a lot. Cambosis is like an offensive machine who likes to throw a lot of punches and H- Haney likes to capitalize on mistakes. Don't get me wrong, Lomachenko does the same thing, but Loma's also smaller, which helps Cambosis out a lot. Yeah. Nobody wants to pay Devin
1: all this money to beat their ass. That's just what it is. What's crazy is, and again, what you say in public and what you negotiate behind the scenes are two completely different things, right? But as soon as it came out from COP, the report was like, Lomachenko agreed to this deal. He said, whatever you got to do to make it happen, let's do it. Like, I don't care if Cambosis if is the A-side or whatever, I'll take the deal. Like, let's just make it happen. Immediately after that, Devin Haney went to social media and was like, A, hey, I'll take the exact same deal, number for number, that Loma has. Exact same. Eddie Hearn, you go to them and tell them whatever they got on paper with Loma, I'll take the exact same deal. He's willing to be the B-side publicly. They have a network with pay-per-view. Now, I, I, don't, I don't get the holdup. Because now you can promise Cambosis pay-per-view points. All right,
2: so here's the issue. You should know this. I know you can't talk about it as much. You've been, you've heard I'm set on these calls. Like I have at the zone, what you say on social media is not necessarily true behind the scenes.
1: A lot more people you, got, got <laughs> voices behind the scenes.
2: Yeah. You don't make your deals. Right. And yeah. perfect example is something that, we, that didn't get announced. that a lot of people expected where it was Jamal Charlo versus Jaime Mugia. And both of them wanted to fight, but golden boy. And I placed the blame on Oscar de la Hoya wanted this to be a pay-per-view yeah. and nobody Charlo versus munguia is not a pay-per-view that's the shit that ruins boxing but they wanted to get a bigger upside from munguia so they could get paid golden boy gets paid and now the fight's not happening and it's not Charlo's fault and Charlo's gonna blame munguia and munguia is gonna blame Charlo. but it's neither the fighters fault they want to fight each other it's the business and this time it was very clear espinoza said it Everybody said it. The fighters wanted the fight. The sticking point was pay per view and where it would land, which was stupid, and that's why the fight didn't happen. Devin Haney's going to say he wants to be the B side, but do you think he's taking B
1: side money? No, not not in the long run. They got to again in that point, and I always said this with Terence Crawford when he wanted a buttload of money to fight Errol Spence. Like it's up to the network and their promoters to find the money on the side to even it. Cause you're not going to be able to put that in the deal and get someone to accept. Right. So you, you have to find a way to give them a cut on this fight. Some other way, some bonuses, some, some, something. To get them up to par where they want to be. Yeah.
2: It's, it's tough. It's tough. And for that reason, I mean, Munguia and Charlo not fighting is fucking travesty, if you want to keep it a buck. That, that, that fight not happening. And I'll go back to Haney in a minute. Munguia is what? He, like. If anybody remembers, Munguia was the guy who stepped up to fight Triple G on short notice. And the Nevada Boxing Athletic Commission denied him a license to fight because they said he was unproven and too young. And since that point, has remained undefeated even though a lot of people thought he lost to Dennis Hogan. He remained undefeated. <clears throat> he's he's put himself in position for a world title, but now all of a sudden he doesn't want to fight anybody, not him, his team. You're supposed to want to fight. Char- if you were going to step up to fight triple G when triple G was the boogeyman. Yo, if you're Oscar Del La Hoya, you put him in there with Charlo. You can't make him a star by keeping him away from everybody. It's
1: kind of golden boys mo lately. Well, it's, it's, it's
2: Oscar protecting his assets. You have Mungia, you have Ryan, you have Virgil. And if those guys aren't getting a tremendous upside in their fights and they're not getting a big fight purse, they'd rather keep them fighting their same guys by looking at the same blueprint that PBC lays out, except PBC's roster is a lot bigger. We have a lot more opportunities. But Munguia doesn't have a whole lot of people to fight. He got to fight somebody. And Charlo would have been the perfect opponent. It's like shit early off the pot. If you can't win, oh well, but they want to protect that record They think they can get more money down the line. They think they can kind of Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano this, where like three years from now it's an even bigger fight. That's not the case, man. Munguia is one of those guys, again, watch the Dennis Hogan fight. Thought he lost. He's got a lot of deficiencies. He's not infallible. He's going to lose. Jamal Charlo beats Jaime Munguia. I also don't know how
1: good Charlo is right now. Because Charlo fights to the level of his competition. So I can't even say that clearly. I think he's better than
2: Munguia. Munguia has a lot of defensive deficiencies. I think Jamal Charlo beats Jaime Munguia. But you have to make these fights happen. Why are you wasting time giving us bullshit when the fight that people would like to see is right there? And it's not a pay-per-view fight. I don't care what anybody says. I don't want to see that on pay-per-view. But I, I guess when you see goddamn Luis Ortiz on, on, on pay-per-view, people's like, shit, I could be a pay-per-view guy. <laughs> shit, might as well. <laughs> And it just sucks because you're ruining it for boxing fans who need the opportunity to see these guys that you've heard about that are supposed to be good fight the best competition out there. And Jamal Charlo is one of the best out there. And if Jamal wants a shot at at Canelo or Triple G or whoever the fuck is out there, he needs to fight a name. Both of them did themselves no favors.
1: Selecki? Come on, man. Nobody wants to see that shit. At all. I don't see Charlo versus Selecki. Everyone, everyone on ESPN ringside comments were like, "Who? What? Yeah. like I've watched lucky for years. Nah, he's not.
2: He's nah,
1: man. Nah, what are we doing? He ain't we're this. Games. Yeah, nah. like <laughs> you're you're fighting this person for what? So it's it's damn sure not going to land you the triple G fight you were asking for, or excuse me, no. the um, Canelo fight.
0: Canelo's oh, like, yo, go out there. F-
1: anyway. Yeah, go out there and fight someone and make me come. No." This ain't it in it's the words innocent. of Canelo payday, payday,
2: payday. So all that to say, Devin Haney, right? I, I've argued with this. I believe he should be the WBC champion, but the WBC fucked it up. So the, because of that undisputed champion is Cambosis, right? To a lot of people. But be, and because of that, Haney gets a lot of money. He hasn't really fought. I mean, the Jojo Diaz fight was really like his coming out party, And he, yeah. I know he wants a Lomachenko fight. I know he does. But Devin Haney's become accustomed to a lifestyle <laughs> where he doesn't want to go back to poverty. <laughs> it is his mind. Like, you look at his Instagram, you go, all right, he's with India Love. I think they're still together. He's um, got pictures with Bentley's, grills. So. Is he not with India Love? They would just, like, take, I don't
1: care, whatever. Yeah, but no. he, he as, just as got a, diamonds in his teeth, though.
2: No. Yeah. As a quick aside, I don't know if you saw this IG post of um, Javante's baby mama, Adrian Broner's baby mama, like supposedly doing a reality TV show.
1: Whoa. Oh my
2: God. I am so, yeah. I'm so in on this. And it's this like, moment- movie, and it's two chains. It's two chains. It's like these baby mamas are all getting together. Okay. And I'm like, boxing. Yo, if sure. Javante and Adrian have anything, man, you better not let them women on there. I mean, probably <laughs> should because they probably got some great stories to tell, which are fucked up stories. But yo, Adrian we know Broner's Broner mama and- definitely Ooh. got
1: some fucked up stories. But that's what crazy. What a disaster that's gonna be. At least it's not all yeah, boxing. Again, I'm glad I'm not where I'm going to be in this boxing realm because if they put my ex wife slash baby mama on the show, I'd be tight.
2: Just like, no, nah. you don't have like, do you have domestic abuse allegations? Cause that's what we're looking at with these
1: guys. No, we've talked about this on the show. She tried to hit me with a car once. Yeah. I'm no, just saying, I'm no, saying, no, 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 I don't, I don't go the other way, but like she does, I guess that's not domestic. I don't know where trying to allegedly, allegedly run me over with a vehicle stands on this, on the spectrum of things. No, but she'll pay me like a, a real asshole. I might've been back then. Fidelity was not my, uh, my strong suit back then. I yeah. my my current wife has uh, made me a changed man, and I love it. But back then, boy, she could tell you about young whippersnapper running around. Kel. It was all bad, Mm-mm. all bad, just right grimy. I used to take nighttime runs to talk to a girlfriend while married. It was all bad, sir, all bad. Oh, so I'm I'm sure she still uh, holds that over over my head somewhat. But yeah, again, it comes down to say. It's the principle of the matter. Her making money off of my likeness. I'm tight. Off for your likeness. What yes. Are you talking about As names. <laughs> what does the college kids have names of likeness that like the only reason these two chicks are on the show is because they are these guys, baby mamas. Oh yeah. No, you ain't making money off Dre. I didn't get a divorce for a year and a half because the only sticking point was that she would not give up my last name. How do you she agree for it. everything in a divorce except the last name? And I said no. So I'm, I'm dead she, serious about this.
2: Because you married her. She has every right to that last
1: name. Hell nah. In the end, yeah. we are divorced. She came up off of that. She, she's uh, remarried. She can go somewhere. Uh, and I say that politely. Again, we, me and her are cool. <laughs> like, don't, don't send me back to the old me. But that's, I, I understand where Javante and, and uh, Adrian may be right now in the process, seeing this and being like, excuse me? The baby mama might make more money than Adrian Brown if she ended up on the show. Maybe. That's Adrian's fault. Yeah, he, and, he, he has too many baby mamas. He'd be crying on him. the
2: gram. Don't leave him with a story to tell. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 the, that,
1: that's the rules. You leave him that's- with a story to tell? Hey, man. See, that's why I'm glad I was over at your crib for the baby shower. You, you and the wife together like 19 years, 20 years, like something crazy. That's, that's the way to go. If we, When we get our reality show, she can't badmouth you at all. <laughs> get our own reality show? Nah. Loving journalism Las Vegas. You think it's not going to happen. It's going to happen. We now have a great cast of characters um, that we will keep off air. But some people are very interesting right now in life. And we'll all get filthy rich with everyone in Vegas. So that that'll be fun. Uh, let's take our last break. Come back, recap last weekend's fight real quick. Talk about this weekend's fight, and then get everyone out of here. We appreciate you guys for sticking with us through uh, this odd and random tangent. Don't go anywhere. We'll come back talk more boxing. Right, let's wrap this up by talking about all the events this weekend Well, Dre let's start last weekend so we had Lee Wood, Phineas Todd over as Michael Conlon over in the UK Conlon brought the Irish fans out the atmosphere was crazy it was amazing and I'll start by saying this it is going to be hard and we're only in March not even in April it is going to be hard for a fight to, to top this this year for fight of the year No, that fight was nuts insane um i mean michael collins on top rank and all this stuff and but i've never been a huge huge believer in michael collins i have i understand he got robbed in the olympics but even like his pro career i was like all right he left a little bit to be desired for me this was his best performance i've ever seen and uh, from him and it still wasn't enough he's coasting into the middle of the rounds of a fight He gasses somehow, not even like Lee Wood was really punishing his body. I I think Collin just punched himself out, got too excited, went for the knockout too many times after getting the knockdown in the first round. And then Lee Wood weathered the storm. They made adjustments. Um, I mean, Ben Davidson in his corner, there's one thing he can do is an adjust to at least make it not be hit. He started getting hit less. Lee Wood opened up his hands. And by the 10th, you know, 11th round, Lee Wood then drops conlin in which i i thought it was a slip but whatever so now they're getting really close leading into this final round and lee wood was like no i don't need the judges man i don't need to see this go to the cards he hits conlin wobbles him with the right hand conlin decides to just go against the ropes and shell up and at that point lee wood snuck in the perfect right hand right on the button and the guard was pretty close like Conlon was really guarding himself well to try to recover. This punch hits him on a button and he goes out of the ring. Um, scary sight the, the day of the fight and goes out of the ring. Paramedics have to come, but 12th round comeback knockout for Lee Wood. When he had to have it, many people thought he was losing that title without a knockout, let alone knock down and amazing performance for all involved. Conlon's fine. Uh, in the hospital. He wants to run it back. It's hard to tell him. No, the fans loved it. People in attendance loved it. It'll sell more. I think it's the biggest fight going forward for these two guys, but damn, that was, it's going to be hard to top this one because that knockout was just incredible.
2: Yeah. I mean, listen, Mick Conlon is a guy who has been great offensively has some deficiencies defensive and late in the fight. He tends to fade. Lee Wood, for those who haven't watched Wood, go back and watch the zoo Can fight, which was right before this one, where he got a 12th round knockout. A guy that looked like he was gonna get dusted after he got dropped in the first round. Colin drops him with the I believe it was a left hook in the first round, drops him pretty hard. Even the commentary is like, all right, Conlon's looking to finish. Colin, even though he's not known as a finish, that, that late knockdown was good enough that it felt like it was gonna be a wrap. But as the fight progresses, you see <laughs> Wood just gets stronger. He's taking the punches better, and he's opening up his offense. And Conlon can't hurt him the same because he got him fresh. He got him, you know, pretty much dry in the first round. Now he's got a warmed up Lee Wood, just kind of walking, not even walking him down, just trading with him, getting the better of him. It was plus with that atmosphere. It's going to be hard to defeat that for fight of the year. That atmosphere is nuts. Yeah, and everybody could feel the momentum slowly changing. But it wasn't like say Miguel Cotto Antonio Margarito won. where Cotto was putting on a boxing clinic and Margarito just kind of punished him down the stretch until he finished him. Now, you know, obviously loaded gloves and all that bullshit, <laughs> but like you saw Cotto wearing down because Margarito's big reach, like he was landing these big shots when Cotto was landing two and three Margarito's landed one and it was just having, it was just busting Cotto up. This wasn't that this was, you were just watching a fighter will himself back in the fight. And even as you go into that 12th round, you feel like, well, yeah, the tide's changed, but I don't think Conlon's in danger of being knocked out until he was. And the knockout, him falling out of the ring, like it's like a dead body. That's, that's a sight. That's a sight. And yes, thank goodness McConlon is okay, but that, that's just an incredible fight. And Wood having two back-to-back 12th round knockouts, the only problem is he probably gets dusted by the rest, well, by the upper half of the 140 pound division. Even though 140 is so wide open right now, he's a WBA regular champion. W, like the whole 140 pound division is just anybody. It's anybody's for the taking. I don't think there's anybody in the top eight. Everybody has a loss. Pro Gray. Yeah, just about everybody has a loss. It, with the expectance that Taylor's moving up to 47, would, it would make it for a fun fight. I just, this this was, if you didn't watch it, go out of your way to watch this fight. Go out of your way to watch this fight and don't watch it with anything else on in terms of audio. Let that audio rock and play it loud. That crowd ain't
1: nothing like a UK crowd. That crowd was nuts. Well, what's still at, I just had to check. Um, what's still at 26? So 126. I'm, I'm sorry, what am I talking about 26? Jesus Christ. Um, um, no, I'm, but... I mean, I understand because your president stands. It's like 126 is open, right? Like only one undefeated is Navarrete. Yes, Navar be put a beating on him. Yeah, yeah Navarrete I mean, puts a beating on him. He's big as hell too. Like he's going to be at 126 for a cup of milk. Like he got his belt. I don't see him staying there for very long. Outside of that, Conlon had moved down to 122 before yeah. this fight. To try to like get his bearings about him, like Fulton said, he'll go up. Him versus Steve Fulton will help him fight. Yeah, but you you have got, 126 isn't like murderous role. Shakur went in there, grabbed the belt real quick. No one will fight him. He left. Nevered's kind of the same way. Not does walk him down.
2: Though. No, Never is too big. Never is too big. And Navarro a tough guy to get momentum going against. Like Wood against Conlon. Wood can get that kind of momentum because Conlon is not a big puncher and he fades late in the fight. So it's, it's not easy. But there's a path to victory that a lot of people didn't see. And he just was trying to kind of working him over. Navarro doesn't give you that opportunity because he kind of bludgeons you with those shots. They, they, the damage piles up.
1: So I, I don't know. I, do As, they run it back? Maybe. I'd like to see it again. It's As, the most money. And it's not like they, they make a ton of money down there. Not that they're paid horribly. But um like it, it's a good fight to run back. Leo says he's coming back. Um, I guess that makes him the super champion when he comes yeah. back, and then Lee I don't know, Lee Wood's belt is downgraded. If he does come back, um we just saw Gary Russell Jr. lose his belt. So there's some, some fights there. Mark McSiles, again, we said he's fighting at the end of July.
2: Yeah, he's the only undefeated person in the top. Is it top 10? I think. Yeah, I think it's the right. Yeah, well, no, Navarrete lost. Navarrete has a loss on his record. Oh, shit. McSiles was well, the-, the only person who doesn't have a
1: loss. Yeah, he's crazy. Mara, uh, Kiko Marquez lost. Like 10 it Yeah, <laughs> just randomly got the belt. Yeah, Wood going after Kiko would be smart.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's opportunity there, but he's the WBA regular champion, so that gives him a chance to fight for a title. I mean, it's, it's a wide-open division, man. You it don't want I Leo love...
1: right now either, though. We're talking about gas tanks and people who can throw punches for 12 rounds. Leo's still that. I don't know what Leo's ceiling is. When guys are bigger than him, like he crumbles. But at 126, that's that's a tough calling. Yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough. But
2: again, go out of your way to watch this fight. You probably saw the highlights on social media, and people are like, "Yeah, I already saw the knockout." No, fuck the knockout, even though it was incredible. Watch the fight. The fight is fantastic.
1: Yeah, hands down, it's incredible. Um, this week we we're supposed to have Virgil Ortiz versus I forgot who he was even fighting. But nonetheless, Virgil Ortiz pulls out his fight um with an illness. Thankfully they tested him for it. He went to the hospital earlier in the week. Could have been really bad. They caught it in time. Um, but he has to pull out his fight. This was the kind of the fight set up so that he could have his mandatory um challenge, I guess at the at the end of the summer we don't know what Terrence Crawford is doing, but this would have put him in line to fight Crawford. I'm not sure he gets that shot now. Like anytime soon. No, nah, he's, got, he's got
2: to get back in the ring. I mean, the, for now that the zone card is main evented by Blair Cobb versus Roka. Uh, I, I like Blair Cobb. I've been I know you do. He's so corny
1: yeah. with the promos though, but I, that's cool.
2: Because he, he loves it. it. You know, a little fun story. Blair Cobb, we were in... Where the hell were we? Arizona? No, L.A. We're in L.A. for Ryan Garcia. Or was it? Ah, shit. I don't know. It was right before the pandemic. So we're in L.A. and we're doing fighter meetings. I'm still with the zone at the time. And it's me, Ty Grisham, Sergio Mora. Uh, Who else was in this meeting? I can't remember. Blair Cobb comes in. Now, I posted a video of Blair Cobb at the Canelo fight. About six months earlier and Triple H retweeted it and Blair just went off about that shit. Um, he came out because Blair Cobb came out with the uh Shawn Michaels sexy boy music and got it and he told me about it and I, I followed him out and we ran that. So that day he has like his furry vest on, he comes in to talk about the fight. I tell Todd, I'm like, yo, Blair, you know, like even though you know you do commentary, like Blair's a big Ric Flair fan. So what does Todd do? He calls Ric Flair. I have video what? of this somewhere on my phone. <laughs> So in the middle of the fighter meeting, Todd calls Ric Flair, Ric Flair answers and puts Blair on the phone and Blair almost cries. Cause he's like just losing his mind. Cause Ric Flair is on the phone talking to Blair Cobb at a fighter meeting. So yes, I'm a fan of Blair Cobb. He's got a crazy life story. You guys will probably hear about it more later. He lives in Vegas now, actually not too far from me. Um, but he's the main event, so he's worth watching. He's not like a big knockout puncher. He's not like a a, a, a uh, top-tier talent yet, but he's very fun to watch. But he's the main event. As far as Virgil Ortiz goes, hopefully he overcomes his sickness, which means we probably won't see him, if you look at the boxing slate, which is insane, probably won't see him until the middle of the summer now. And it sucks because Virgil's in that golden boy stable where they want to protect him unless he's getting the right opponent and it ain't going to be Terrence Crawford.
1: It's not. No. Even if you won this fight, it wouldn't have been Terrence Crawford. I can't see that happening. I mean, not yet. by next year, it would have had to be, right? Like, well, Terrence has 18 months between mandatories. Like, before you have to fight a mandatory again, because Sean was a mandatory. And that was, what, four months ago. So, technically, if he would have won this weekend, it would have put the clock at 14 months where Terrence has to fight it. So that's a pretty decent amount of time. Like, it seems long. But that means by next May, you're getting your shot at Terrence Crawford, regardless of whatever he does in between. Now, you're looking at next September. September 2023, Crawford might not be in the division anymore. If he's money chasing. And two, in a year and a half, Virgil shouldn't be in the division anymore. Because I can't claim that this has anything to do with weight cuts or anything but in the interview his dad was like yo the weight was falling off weird and he was just coming down way too fat like you know what he's always been too big for this division it's okay to move up to 54 fyi it's easier to gather belts up there the money's just not the same but if they ain't gonna fight you anyway go belt chase
2: yeah i think uh i think virgil stay at 47 i think terrence you know, we'll talk about more, Terrence more. He's in a unique spot, man. Terrence will probably, maybe he'll fight Charlo at 54. Maybe he'll look at, if Charlo beats Castanio, maybe Terrence goes, hmm, fuck 47. If I can't get the arrow fight, you guys can have this belt. So I'll, I'll go undisputed go in another weight class. I, I don't see any problem. I can see him doing that. Virgil, on the other hand, I think he's going to stay at 47 for a minute. I, I don't think – he's not having – he doesn't have necessarily a hard time cutting the weight. Um, and this this sickness was – they were talking about the weight was dropping off too quickly because he was sick. The, yeah. the, you know, he wasn't – he didn't have enough fluid in his system. Um, and, you know, like that shit can get pretty dangerous. Uh, but, it, it, yeah, Virgil's going to stay at 47. I don't see him moving up to 54. The only way I could see him moving up to 54 would be like – I don't know. Let's fight Danny Garcia. What is he doing these days? Except for managing his sisters. Maybe that fight happens at 54. But otherwise, I don't see him moving up. I just think the timing sucks because he really needed to get a fight in, especially another knockout in, given what he's done uh, in the division with his size.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it just, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. Again, If you don't have to make the cut, if they ain't fighting you no ways, go up there and just be healthier. Just in general, just be healthy. I think you go a long way for them. And then uh, we're looking at the fights this weekend. MSG, it is Edgar Berlanga versus Steve Rolls, which is actually a very tough fight for Berlanga. And then we have Xander Zayas in the co main. Um, I'll start with Xander. The kid is huge now. He's 19 and a half years old, 12 and 0, nine knockouts. Uh, if you ask Julia Pizzini, my grandmother, he is the next face of Puerto Rican boxing. She absolutely loves Xander. And shout out to him. He, like, FaceTimes her and stuff. Like, he's the coolest guy. But I saw him during the presser today, and he is leaps and bounds bigger than Edgar Berlanga. And Berlanga's headlining this at 168 pounds. Super middle. And you have, right now, is Xander, who's 19 and just getting ginormous. Like, I look at it, and I'm just like, yo, this kid's going to end up fighting at 175. He's going to be a light heavyweight in, like, two years. And the skills are there, the work ethic's there, same gym as George Campos. same trainers. Um, it's been a long time. In boxing, you can kind of see this, right? Like, you can see when people are good. And they're not going to rush him. There's no need to. But projecting, knowing what 175 is, knowing what 168 is, knowing it's Canelo versus the world, knowing that everyone else is kind of long in the tooth, if your name isn't David Benavidez, Xander is going to have a really good road to be a star because he's going to be in those divisions. And we saw what a star can do when he faces someone in those divisions. Now, Canelo Alvarez is a different type of star, but you go around the world, you, you take the belt off of these guys, and it makes you look really good <laughs> when you can fight in those weight classes. We've seen him with Andre Ward. We saw it with Kovalev. Like, if you're in those weight classes and you're a little bit different than everyone else, you're going to be all right. And I think Xander Zayas is in, like, the perfect spot. And uh, I expect him to get a, a nice knockout against a decent opponent he has in front of himself his first eight-round fight. But I still think he gets an early knockout and puts on the show for the fans.
2: Yeah, I mean Xander's just a guy to watch, but you know, I have the same question about Xander as I always do with most of these guys. Like I've seen him punched in the face, and he hasn't really been punched in the face yet. But the skills are there. He passes the eye test. We see what he has. Um, and yes, he is a big kid, but he has to be careful about moving up in weight because the things you can do against smaller guys, you can't necessarily do against bigger guys. You got to grow. It. It's not just the man body; it's having the man strength. Yeah. Uh, Canelo was always big and he was beating up little guys, but then he figured out how to get manpower. And now the game is different for him. He sees everything different. So very curious at how Xander acclimates to the bigger size. Um, But when you watch him fight, he just, he's got the goods. Yeah. looks like he has the goods. He's one of the best (laughs) prospects in boxing. If you haven't watched him, watch him.
1: Yeah. Same thing. 154. It's like, I guess it's your same case with Virgil. It's like, how long do you keep him up? 154. But they kept Canelo at one forty seven, one fifty four for a good amount of time. So, yeah. I mean, Canelo isn't—he didn't move up until what the, after the Floyd fights. He was like twenty four when he moved up. So oh, yeah, yeah, beat, yeah up, like, beat up on smaller guys, I guess, while you can, and it's easier to cut the weight when you're younger, right? So, fuck it, I guess, stay down until you you don't have to.
2: Yeah, you stay down long enough, you you manage that weight. You, I mean, look, Canelo fought Miguel Cotto. And Cotto had no business being at 54. I mean, I guess he did, but he wasn't the same guy. And yeah. Canelo still was like tw- 20 pounds bigger than him on fight night. You know, yep. Canelo fought Amir Khan. Looking back, it was like, God damn, you want to get that kid murdered. But <laughs> you you fight guys, like you, you maintain that weight. Even though you're big and you want to see people move up, it ain't the same. People don't take punches the same. People don't give punches the same. You can't move somebody like Xander up because he hasn't been hit by a big guy yet. He hasn't been hit by a big puncher at a lower weight class yet. So keep moving him along. What is Xander? Is he 20 yet? Not 19 and a half. His birthday is in September. You have plenty, not plenty of time, but you still got about a year to a
1: year and a half where you got to go. All right, we got to fight some stiffer competition. That becomes interesting because a year and a, say he stays at one fifty four for a year and a half. We then have an undisputed champion, probably one defense and a fighter who vacates all the belts. Right. Then it could be one of those cases where it's like, hmm, do you just – now you're sitting comfortably in the rankings. Maybe you just grab one belt real quick before you move up, and then now you can be a one-division, two-division, three-division champion because that's something Canelo does. Just like, yeah. yo, let me grab one belt here, and then I'm gone. So it becomes interesting um, to see how they manage him. And, again, if he did that state for another year and a half and got a shot at one of the 154 belts – it still put him as a 21-year-old world champion, which is ridiculous. I mean, David Benavidez was 22 when he won it, and I was still like, what the hell? Like These guys are just so f- far along at these ages that it's, it's nuts. Um, and the main event, Edgar Belonga, who is 24 years old, main eventing. Steve Rolls is better than people think. Some people don't even know who Steve Rolls is. His only loss is to Triple G, and he got caught with one. He looked pretty decent for the first two rounds of that fight and then Triple G is Triple G. But Steve Rolls isn't an easy test especially for a fighter who just got touched up a lot. Just took his first um, knockdown of his career in his last fight and tore his bicep in that fight and done his first major rehab of his career. It's is dicey. I don't I disagree. Here's
2: why. Steve Rolls is 37 years old. Yes, Steve Rolls got knocked out by Triple G. Steve Rolls hasn't really fought anybody. This is the perfect fight for Belonga to get his knockout streak back, pick it back up. I think Steve Rolls is a guy who he's there to be hit. Uh, and because he's only lost to Golovkin, the perception is he's a tough opponent. He's 37 years old. And Belong you know, he's 24. And they didn't match him up to match him up tough. They matched him up to get a finish. And he'll knock out Steve Rolls because the commonality with Golovkin is more appealing than the, than the actual opponent that's in front of you. If he beats him, he's like, oh, well, he knocked him out faster than uh, Triple G did. That's why this fight is being made. Steve Rolls is going to get beat up in this fight. But he's not a bum. So if Berlanga doesn't come on his A game, yeah, Berlanga's going to end up going the diss. And then we're going to have to... If Berlanga can't get Steve Rolls out of here we're going to have to start talking about Berlanga because the the allure, the allure of Edgar Berlanga is what has been his knockout power and the first round knockout streak and everything else that goes along with it. But now he needs to develop skill because if you can't get guys out of here, you have to be able to box. You got to win by points. You can't be getting touched up and he got touched up in his last fight. Can't let that shit happen. So it'll be interesting to see where, how much Berlanga has progressed but I don't think this is a, an opponent where he can lose. I think it's an opponent that he can actually look bad against, but I think he gets to finish here somewhere yeah. in this
1: fight. He gets finished maybe early. His move to Vegas seemed to like center him. He's talked a lot about that working with Mickey Bay in camp. Um, looks like Mickey Bay, he has one more fight that he's preparing for, but he's like getting ready to go into that role as a trainer. I know he's worked with Devin Haney a little bit, just in like spots. Um, Interesting to see what Mickey Bay is as a trainer. Because he seems like a very bright guy in terms of boxing.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys who fought, and I, I hate when people say, well, he wasn't that good as a boxer, I was going to train. Oh. Because I'm, I'm watching people fight who are better than me. <laughs> and yeah. I some things that I, that I see mentally that I wish I had the athletic skill to do. 100%. That's the difference. Oh. And I think Mickey Bay, he has a great boxing mind. He's a smart guy. So he could be a great trainer.
1: Yeah, so this is a great... Grace K, great case study for that. Um, personally, I thought uh, old boy who trained Deontay Wilder did a phenomenal job. Who, JD's? No, in this last fight, um, oh, 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 against Fury, I forgot old boy's name. He he moonlights as like a nudist, and him and his girlfriend have IGF. <laughs> um, Malik Scott, man, Malik Scott. Uh, but no, being in the corner, being their fight, we like. Malik Scott gave him great adjustments, gave him great information while there was just physically too tired and worn down to to capitalize. But Malik Scott, I was very impressed with Malik Scott, the trainer, wasn't the best boxer. He was in title fights, world title fights, but I think he has a pretty good future as a trainer. And I'm interested to see if I see the same for Mickey Bay. So um, we'll see how that one plays out. No needs to win. I mean, it's New York city. Headlining MSG. Let's get it. If there's any time to go out there, show out and live up to the potential. This this is it. Because if not, you struggle or if you lose for any reason, then I think Puerto Rican Day Parade weekend, we might see a Xander Zayas headlining card uh, yep. as a as a eight rounder, because I, I don't know what else you do. Like it it's put up time, or shut up. Like all the jewels, all the ice, all the famous friends, this is what they're there for. So you got to deliver. So it's, it's interesting. We'll see how all that plays out. Um, That's our show for today. Thank everyone for listening. We appreciate you. I am about to go get a little bit of food so I can come back to my hotel room and play MLB the show. And that's what I do on these work trips. I play video games. So Dre, if you're online, we're playing games. We're hanging out. Uh, We're still on baby watch. So it's great to still have Dre doing these shows um, after that, the wheels are off. It's hot takes. Hot take palooza. Me and friends. Um, so make sure you hit Dre up and, and let him know that I'm running amok on the pod. In the meantime, we appreciate you all. Follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Check out our YouTube page, the Corner Podcast. All of our shows that we do from Blue Wire Studios are up there. All of our interviews are up there as well. Um, a ton of great interviews up there. So make sure you guys go and check those out stay safe stay rona free that shit's still out here make sure you guys are having fun it's going to be an amazing slate of boxing coming up can't wait to talk about all of it but for now we're out peace